Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. A place where we need to be able to humble ourselves and say, you know, I'm wrong, and God, your word is right. Amen. A place where we are able to bring our guilt, bring our shame, and we are able to bring a sacrifice that is pleasing in the eyes of God, not a, you know, half-dead, one-eyed, you know, infected lamb, but a good one of our best. And God receives that and makes atonement for our sin. And we can leave this place feeling that, you know what, our sins have been forgiven. The burden of our sin is lifted, and we can go on, amen, to serve God. That's such a blessing because most of the world doesn't have a place where they can get rid, amen, of the burden of their sin. Most of the world doesn't have a place where they can be able to go and know that their sins have been forgiven by true repentance and turning away from their sins. So there's many faces that a church has, um, and uh, we want to look at another one, amen, just this morning. um, Because out of all the names that Jesus could have labeled his church, even among some of these, in our text... He labels it, amen, a particular label, and I want to look at that this morning, um, considering that our pastor has preached about prayer here in recent, day, uh, recent weeks, um, I want to kind of stay along that vein this morning um, and encourage you to open up your heart um, as God would speak to us. Um, uh, Luke 19, also you can open up to Isaiah 56. Um, Who can read Luke 19, 45 through 48 for us? Jason Wolf. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Okay. Somebody get Isaiah 56, 7 for us. Paul. It says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Amen. And so here, amen, in both of, in both of these texts, um, we see that the word of God, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is considered a house um, of prayer. He's saying, when I'm going to label my church, I'm going to give it a name that is going to describe what it is and what it's to be. He says, it is a house of prayer. And so that's what I want to look at, amen. Is the house of God a house of prayer or is it a den of thieves, amen. And basically what we want to look at is our individual life and what it would make of it, amen, and what it would be, what the church would become, If it was us. Now, the world has a wrongful view of the church. Some people think that it's the bingo hall down the street. 
Amen. Some people think, well, no, it's just a social club um, where we gather every once in a while uh, with some friends and some buddies. And, you know, we talk about, you know, some religious things. We talk about, um, uh, you know, some good things, some moral things. Um, some people think that it's just that. Some people think, well, it's the place where I can find a good girl. Amen. Or a good guy. Amen. It's the place of love connection. And uh, that is their mindset. And so they go. Uh, I've talked to guys before and that's their mindset, you know, uh, when you witness to them, you talk to them, and you invite them to church, uh, one of the questions that comes out of their mouth are, are, there, are there any pretty ladies there? And they say, well, you know, the church is one of the good places to find a good girl, you know, because she's probably not out there and, you know, messing around and whoring around and doing all those things. And so the world has a weird mentality, especially, you know, when on Super Bowl Sunday, they bring in the big screens and they begin to play the game rather than have church. Amen. That gives a wrongful view of what the church is. Amen. Basically what you're saying when you do that is that, you know, uh, when, when uh, that Super Bowl, because it's so, you know, it's so important to the world, and because it's so wanted that we're going to override um, the preaching of God's word, the worshiping of God, um, because we're going to appease the people um, and so this gives a wrongful view of the church. In Virginia, they have these Christian nightclubs. And they say, well, better than you go to the secular world and go dancing, you know, with you know, somebody who may not be saved and listening to ungodly music. We're just going to play some Christian music, but we're going to let you still dance. We're going to still let you freak and get your groove on. And we're gonna let, but at least you're doing it with somebody who's Christian. Little do they know that some of those guys I talk to on the street are there. Right? They're looking for that good girl. So, but this puts a bad spin on the church and a wrongful view of the church. And, uh, you know, here it is. Jesus mentions in our text that those who are dwelling within the church, amen, had a wrongful view of the God's church as well. That in our text, their mind, amen, of the, uh, their mindset of the church had been twisted, Jesus said um, that they considered their church um, in a place um, where you can buy and sell and trade. Um, and Jesus labeled it a den of thieves because of those who were conducting secular business there in that place. See, what is our view of the church? In our text, Jesus is trying to define what his house is to be compared to. And he states that his house should be a house of prayer. So he's saying here, when you sum up everything, all the activities, everything that happens within the church, from the smallest of ministries to the great, from the smallest of service to the greatest of areas of need, he says, when I look in my church and I have to put my finger on it and I have to put a name on it, um, if I'm going to sum everything up that happens, worship and preaching and reading of the word um, and uh, loving others, caring for others, looking, amen, to help the poor, the needy, whatever. He says, I label it a house of prayer. He's saying the most important facet of the church, um, amen, is prayer. This is what the church ought to give its most attention to. It is prayer. 
He didn't label it anything else. Now, we know the church has many different faces and functions that are legitimate. But he says, if I'm going to put my name or a label on there, it's going to be the house of prayer. See, is that your view of the church this morning? Is that your view? You know, some people probably think maybe we pray too much. But Jesus says, when you sum it all up, it's considered a house of prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Here the Bible says is that God Almighty, the creator of heavens and the earth, will turn his ear to you and I whenever we begin to pray. We heard our pastor preach about um, you know, different men like Daniel. And that, amen, here's a man that was praying. And, and when the angel came to give him his blessing, he said, from the first day I heard you. The prince of Persia withstood me many days, but I heard you the very first day. And, you know, God hears our prayer. If we can grasp that, listen, it will, it will change and revolutionize our hearts. I mean, just... Not just a simple notion, oh, yeah, God hears my But the fact that, you know, as you're speaking, the God of heaven is actually giving an ear to you. And that God is listening to every word that you speak. I mean, to me, it's amazing to think that the creator of, of the heavens and the earth who spoke everything into existence is actually going to take time and listen to what I have to say. And he says, I make it... I make it available to you. He says, if you will do these things and humble yourself, I will hear from heaven, and I will begin to move on your behalf. I will forgive their sin. I will hear their land. Listen, that's what we need, amen, in the city of Chandler. That's what we need in America. That's what we need in the nations of the earth. Amen. In Isaiah 56, 7, what we read, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Amen. What we need, amen, is um, people that would make up their mind and realize the importance of prayer and say, I will give myself to this, uh, knowing that God hears me um, and that there's actually, you know, God will begin to move uh, as I'm speaking. Um, God will begin to move on parts and God will begin to break up the fallow ground of our city uh, and God will begin to honor the seed that we sow. It's not just going to lie dormant. Listen, that God actually, amen, will begin to work um, on our behalf. Simply because we pray. But on the reverse side, he says, you know, you have not because you ask not. If we don't find time to pray, we won't see the fruit or the blessing of that. If we simply just don't find time to pray. You could think many things all you want. What you want to see. What you'd like to happen. But God simply says, listen, if you can't even take the time to ask for it. Why am I going to give it to you? His ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open for you. You have to have, uh, you know, some initiative. You have to do something. Uh, and it is there that God supernaturally begins to meet us. It's a powerful thing. Prayer is a custom something that is a discipline. It's something that should be part of our life every week.
The Word of God tells us the need to pray. Old Testament, New Testament. Luke chapter 18, verse 10. We know the story, man, about the two men praying. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. But I use that reference just because here they went to the temple. They went to the house of God to pray. Yes, a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, but it was a custom. It was in them. It was in their discipline to at least go there and to say, you know what, God, here it is, amen. One did have a wrongful view that we don't condone him. He's thinking he's better than other men. He says, I'm glad I'm not like this tax collector. But just to give you a little glimpse, amen, that it was customary, it was discipline in them to pray, to go to the church and to pray. Acts 3.1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And here, amen, it tells us that they took initiative, they Amen. Got up and they went to the temple and they made it their custom or they made it their discipline. I want to open up for just a moment. Why do we come to church to pray every morning? Why do we come to the church as men, as disciples? Anybody? I'm opening it up. Jason. Church starts. Okay. Why else? Rob? My brother brought it up. Why did I come to, to pray? Every, I come here every, every morning, 3 o'clock in the morning to pray. He said, why can't you pray at home? I said, no. I said, I feel the presence of God in here. You know, why God is your home? I said, no. God is here. When I, when I know I lay hold of God, I feel his presence. I know that me and God are communicating. You know, and that's what I come here and pray. Okay. John? Uh, when we come to the church, we have more atmosphere of uh, dominion and authority rather than home. Because, you know, home you'll be interrupted or you maybe you can even, you don't have that space of, like, getting to God interior, you know. But when you're here, you have that freedom and liberty. There's more dominion at the church. Okay. Fred? Uh, early, <clears throat> early on as a, uh, a young child, uh, the first thing I l- really learned was that um, it's overly important to have a relationship with God one-on-one, period. Um, and the reason that me, myself, I come to prayer um, uh, at least four to five days out of the week is to have my communication with God open through the day, period, that his instruction is clear to my ear for that day, period, that my steps are his, that I'm open to what he wants me to do and where he wants me to go and what he guides me to do and through that day, me, myself. Okay, Tori. I mean, I know one of the reasons we, we come to the church versus, you know, praying at home or wherever the case may be, at work, wherever, it has to do with discipline, it has to do with disciplining your flesh, I mean, you just ask anybody who has tried to be here every morning, you feel the struggle with your flesh. And so it has to do with gaining a discipline in your life. And if you can, you know, obviously you want to start your day, start your day uh, beginning with God, asking God for favor and different things that you know are going to come against you in the day or things you want to see happen in the day. But um, I know long before 
you know, I was ever coming more in prayer. I even asked Pastor Ortiz, you know, I can pray at home. You know, I was always the one who had another way to do everything. And so he said, well, it has to do a lot with discipline. You know, man, because first thing in the morning, you feel that struggle, that struggle for discipline. And it has a lot to do. It trickles down to other areas in your life. Keith? I know prayers is one thing that I struggle with. And I know that, uh, you know, I'm praying to get better. And I know just like Tori, it's it's discipline. But as I, I mean, we're in Luke and I just read this chapter or read this verse uh, how God was talking about the uh, Pharisee and tax collector. They went to the temple. They didn't pray at home. And that's what, you know, I feel the altar was built for, uh, for us to sacrifice and for us to come and, and put the issues of our life to God and put it in God's hands as opposed to being at home. I mean, we tend, this is a, like Pastor Kemmel said, a lazy generation where uh, we just want to get up and pray at home. We think that's enough, but then next week we're laying in our bed and praying. We're no longer on our knees. And then the week after we're no longer praying. Um, I've caught myself a lot of times dozing off and praying, and I'd get up and say, what am I doing? This is God who I'm speaking to, you know. Amen. Who else? Another reason why we come to, you know, just lay before God, you know, and pray is because we want to see God move. We want to see him, you know, he hears our prayers. He's waiting for our prayers. He's you know, waiting to move and to do something, you know, in the church and, you know, you know, do great things for him, but without, you know, him asking for it, as you said, why would he do it for us? Okay. Uh, a couple more hands over here before we move on. Paul? In follow-up, it's nicer if you go to somebody's house rather than give them a call, and sometimes... I think that if I'm at my house, it's kind of like I'm giving God a call, jump on the couch, fleshly, just sitting there and really half-hearted. But if I can sacrifice, say, I'm going to go to your house, I'm going to, like, actively try and meet you somewhere, sit down and pray. It's it's not a couch. It's a hard, you know, a hard chair, discipline in the flesh, and an actual sacrifice that, you know, the verse said sacrifice. So it's really not a sacrifice to, for me to walk 30 feet to my couch and plop down and give God a call, you know. Okay. Ricardo? Yeah, most definitely uh, discipline in the flesh. And uh, uh, for me, it's like when I come here in the morning and I see all the uh, guys that are more seasoned than me, uh, being only a year. And I, uh, after prayer, I, you know, we talk and I find words of encouragement from their uh, lips. And uh, uh, it's pretty much uh, been a, a lot of help for me to come in here in the morning. Right. And so it's, it's all of these things. It's uh, um, a combination of all of them. And, and that's a particular reason why we've always stressed, you know, that you need to come to the house of God. Yeah, you know, God is everywhere, okay? And, and there's times that, uh, you know, a day that, you know, you're fasting or there's a day that, you know, that things are going on that, you know, if you turn in your house and you, you bow your knee, you know what I'm saying? God's going to hear your prayer. But the reason why we come, you know, in the mornings, we don't stay home is because those very things. One, it's a discipline. You have to deny the flesh. Okay, you have to take the travel here. You have to come here, and um, by the time you get here, you're usually awake. Hopefully, you grab your coffee, you come in. Okay, it's a uh, it's a place where you do that. It's a place where um, uh, you you crucify the flesh. It's a place where you take dominion, uh, over, you know, in your spirit, um, and you come. It's a place where where we make reference to you know, 
the tabernacle, everybody, when they built their house or their tents around the tabernacle, you know, the, they all put their front door towards the tabernacle. And every morning when they would get up out of bed and out of their house, um, the first thing that they would see was the house of God. And the reason why is because the house of God is a reference mark to the Christian. It's a reference mark. It's a place where, yeah, that is where, you know, I meet with God. That is where, um, you know, I give myself, you know, and that is where, um, you know, uh, I, I, I labor. That is where, you know, I'm used to meeting with God. Um, and, uh, and so I go there, you know, as my custom, as my reference mark, as a, you know, place where um, I know that, you know, in my life, um, the first thing, the first fruit out of my day is, hey, I made it to the house of God. I put God first. I set God as a priority before I did anything else. I did that. And so I've been there, you know, where, you know, as a disciple, when I used to, you know, try to stay home those few days. And the reality is there's so many distractions at home, too, on the, you know, just on the regular, you know, everyday life side. So many distractions. You're always pushing that snooze to the final second before you got to leave. You know, there's things that happen. You know, kids start waking up. Um, wife started asking you to, you know, to do the, uh, the things around the house, and you don't have that time to be able to focus them and to be able to lay hold of God the way that you need to. And when we do that, but when we, when we come and we take dominion, um, you know, and we are able to focus, listen, we're going to get a lot better communication with God and also allow God to speak to us. I mean, God speaks to us. You can come here, man, and you can hear from God as well, but it's our discipline it's our reference, Markham. It's who we are. It's our makeup of who we are. And that's why. And so the Bible says that disciples used to go to the temple at the hour of prayer. And so is it fair to say that today, if you're a disciple of Jesus, which is a follower, it's not just a guy that's called to preach, that we come to the house of God to pray? Would it be fair to say that? That that's where we give ourselves. You had your hand up earlier. I mean, it's just a, uh, really it's just um it's like humility and saying like you said God God is first in my day, and I can get up and go and pray to God. But most of all, it's where you can have God come down and God is your strength. He's your refuge. He's your supplier. And what you're saying is I need God involved before I get involved in this world to give me direction. And what happens is, like Tori said, is a discipline, is, is beating the flesh, is crucifying the flesh. But most of all, it's like a respect. It's saying, God, you've done so much to me that I need to go and speak to you today and see how you're doing. And most of all, is I'm laying down what I need you to get involved with in my life today. Amen. Israel? I've noticed one thing, too, that it, it also causes you to be accountable to others. Um, because uh, I was, I missed a prayer last week, one of the days, I think it was, and one of the guys came up to me, and he goes, hey, where were you? And uh, he hit me up, and he rebuked me about not being in prayer. Mm-hmm. Holds you accountable, amen. And it's good, man. I'll tell you, when you come in in the morning, and you hear this rumbling of people praying, I'll tell you, man, it's a good feeling. Well, it makes you just want to jump in that seat. Amen, and hold on, because God's taking us somewhere. And it's a wonderful thing, amen. So there is the blessing of that. A gathering with the people of God, gathering with the men, you know, and if you have trouble doing that, you know, there's a few things. You can 
Get somebody to hold you accountable. Get somebody who will go with you to prayer. Say, hey, bro, I want to start going to prayer. I know I'm struggling with that. You're struggling with that. Let's get each other up. Let's go. You know, let's, let's take dominion over the flesh. Let's pray. Let's lay hold of God. Amen. And so Jesus set the pattern of the need for prayer. And uh, he taught his disciples. Um, and uh, amen, this is the same pattern that we need to follow. So if we took your prayer life, my prayer life, and we multiplied that, let's say, by 300 men. Would the house of God be considered a house of prayer? If it was us multiplied 300 times. If our prayer life. If we were multiplied again 300 times in a church, would there be anybody here for morning prayer? If, uh, would there be anybody here... If it was us, um, again, in our, everybody around us had the same um, convictions that we had about prayer. Would there be anybody here before service to pray? And so the reality is, is that we need to be there. The reality is, is that we need to pray. And we need to make up our minds that this is going to be our own godly conviction. Because in all facets of life, whether it's every day or before service, I mean, we need to pray. Prayer is the key to supernatural doors being open and things being, uh, d- uh, works of darkness being taken, uh, uh, being subdued and being destroyed. And so Jesus made this statement about the house of God, though, being a den of thieves. And I just want to move into that for just a moment. See, the statement was also made in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 9 through 11. Amen. Uh, somebody would get that for us, Jeremiah 7, 9 through 11. Anybody? No, let's see who else. Tori, you want to get that? Okay. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this Sermon Podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application. Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on 
of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. Will ye still murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not and come and stand before me in this house, which is called my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations is this house, which is called by my name, become a, become a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I have seen it, said the Lord. Okay. And so here he makes the, the quote, amen, of being a den of robbers or the den of thieves. And so the den actually means a cavern or a cave. Thieves, we obviously know what thieves are. So the, the imagery that we can get from this is, is, you know, David being in the wilderness. How many know when David's running from his, for his life um, and he's going from cave to cave, the Bible says that he comes across some people out in those caves that, that were bandits. He comes across people that are in those caves that are thieves. And so this is the imagery, you know, because they were, they were uh, many of them had to run uh, from, uh, you know, being found guilty of their mishaps and the things that they had done. So they would run into these wilderness areas so that they would go and hide there. They were guilty. These are men that could not function just everyday life because of the things, the violations that they had done, um, people that they have hurt. Um, and so they would run. They would Either uh, many of them would get kicked out of the city. We don't want your kind here, and so the people would actually drag them and send them outside of the city gates. And so this is the picture of what we're getting: um, is that here are these thieves, um, I mean, that are out in this wilderness place, um, that are in these caves um, and not functioning in normal, um, you know, everyday life or society. Most of us, we know what thieves do. They steal. But besides that, what else, do, what, are, what else are thieves good at? Somebody said what? Lying? What else? Hermano? Hermano Tony? What else? Are you? Did you raise your hand? Okay. Are you speaking why did he, he uh, reference it to a den of thieves? He says it's because uh, the Pharisees bringing the lame offerings to, to the house of God. Los peregrinos venían de afuera a traer un animal eh, perfecto para el sacrificio y venían a la casa de oración. He said some spoke, uh, some came and they brought a, a, an offering to God and some came for, uh, for prayer. Y cuando venían a la casa de oración, los fariseos decían, tu animal no sirve, tenemos uno mejor que es perfecto para el sacrificio. And he says when they used to come and, and bring their offering, he says that the Pharisees would say, 
Y el poco dinero que estos peregrinos traían para retornar a sus casas tenían que uh, darlo para comprar supuestamente el animal perfecto que estos fariseos tenían para sacrificarlo. And the bit of money that they had, uh, they had to actually uh, give it up to, to buy this offering. Y esta acción, lo que ellos and Jesus began to see this, uh, the actions that Entonces, they began to do. Templo, and speaking about the temple, los que no eran and there was many there that prayed uh, that, and worshipped that weren't Jews. As a place of sacrifice. And he said, that's the reason Jesus says, you're making uh, my father's house a house of den, den of thieves. <laughs> and that's why Jesus uh, made a whip and started whipping some All folks. Right. right, right. And so, so what is the nature, though, of the thief? What else? Paul? Scheming? Okay. Cunning? I was just going to say deception. Uh, deception? Brother Ron? Okay, doesn't want to work for that which is his? Go yell it out. My mindset was um, people owed it to me. So that, that's what seared my conscience. And so how I look as a thief is somebody who maybe comes to church feels like, all right, God, do something in my life. It's kind of like the religious world we live in now. Is everything is about God doing something for me instead of me laying my life down for him. Right. So the nature of him is lying, cheating, scheming, taking advantage of people. You have all of these things, and they are all true of the nature. So the reason why they're living their lives, we could sum it, it's solely just for their own benefit. What, what am I going to get out of this? What am I going to profit? How can I make a quick dollar? Amen. And they want to prosper by their own hands. So the mentality of the thief, ultimately, when you break it down, whether it's lying, cheating, scheming, taking advantage of people, what they're saying is, amen, is that it's all about me. It's all about I. Ultimately, that's what they're saying. I need, I want, I have the right to have, I want this and I want it now. And so this is the nature of the thief, um, amen. Uh, you know, in these caves, you can imagine their conversation. You know, they're talking about where they're going to make their next rob, you know, or the next robbery or raid. They're wondering how they're going to con the next person because this is the very nature of the thief. And so here it is, you know, so Jesus is saying, um, you have turned my house, which is a house of prayer, into a den of thieves, a place of your benefit, like our brother Tony was saying, a place where um, I'm going to benefit, a place where I'm going to take advantage of people, um, and a place where I'm going to come out on top. And so even in Isaiah 1.23, it talks about the thief. He loves bribes, and he follows after rewards. The thief is the one that's always looking for that reward. And whatever he needs to do to get it, he's going to do whatever it takes. And so Jesus is saying that that was the mindset of those that were in the church. We know that they're buying and they're selling. They're doing these things, but it's all in their own interest. It's all for their own personal gain. And so flip, you know, parallel that to today or spiritually, you know, 
Could that be the house of God today if we're not careful? Where the house of God begins to be a place where basically we go there to see what we can get out of it. How we can profit. How we can, you know, be of best entrance and how I can gain some reward and how I can come out on top. That could be very well the very thing that God is even speaking to us through his word right here is that the issue of the heart of the thief could be the very same issue of the church world today. And they're wondering, what am I going to get? If I go to church, what am I going to get out of it? If I go faithfully and the more I go, what am I going to get out of it? And so you can have, you have the mindset of the individual that, man, they're just trying to climb up that ladder. That's why they're here. I want to be recognized. I want to be, you know, this recognized leader, someone, you know, who's going to go on top. And, man, I want to one day, you know, stand, you know, before the altar. And I want to go, you know, and I'm going to be, you know, be, uh, uh, go out there, you know, and I'm going to be the next Billy Graham or whatever the case might be. And it's not wrongful to have good expectations. Amen. Not wrongful to say, you know what, hey, I want to go and I, I want to see people save lives such. But what I'm saying is, is the mentality of what am I going to get out of this? Some people think of that of Jesus, right? If I serve God, what am I going to get out of it? Some more money? A better house? A better job? Those are the people that after a week of being saved, they, they're looking for that, that check in the mail already. They're waiting for that boss just to come up them or you know already and I, hey brother you know I just I just noticed a change in you the last week and so because that's what they're looking for and if they don't get it you know they're right back out the door. If God doesn't do something for them, you have people who the only reason why they come is what 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 is God going to you know do for my marriage? It's busted up. And so what happens if God doesn't do anything at that time because you done busted up? Then they, they're out the door because they're serving God for the wrong reasons. We serve God because we're, we need to be humble and we need to realize that we are sinners in need of God. It's not about what God is going to do for me. Because even if God never did anything again, I'm still lost without Jesus. And so this is the nature. Frankie, you had your hand up. church and the Indiana church what they'll do is they'll drive like several buses across town and they'll pick up like many many dozens of kids and around the neighborhood where the church was at uh, just outreaching just running into these kids they'll say they go to the Indiana church and so when I begin to speak to them about uh, coming out to church and getting saved they had no idea about salvation no idea about being born again and so I begin to speak to them how long they've been going to the Indiana church I mean they pick them up it's a free ride to the next city, next town over. And one of the things they always said was it's because they have uh, free gifts, uh, carnivals, and they give away stuff. And so when I begin to talk to them, they're asking me, what are you going to give me? If I go to your church, uh, what, what, what is it you're going to give me? I mean, what prizes do you have there? Is there going to be a clown there? Is there raffles there? You know what I mean? And one of the things when I would offer them, you know, I, I'll give you Jesus, you know. Jesus is the one that can, is the gift, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they didn't want to hear that. You know, they got a customer being picked up throughout the, the Chicagoland area. Amen. And so, here in our text, there was a loss of passion and desire to pray 
by the very people who claim the name of God. Every man was consumed with self. You know, one of the things about prayer is that you have to give up some of yourself. And that's why a lot of people, amen, again, they don't see it. They don't see as going to the house of God, having to get up early, having to pray, having to come before church, you know, maybe, uh, you know, just rolling in from work and having to throw on your clothes and coming early. See, they don't see it as really there's going to be any return in them for them. But it's going to require something of them to be there. And many of them are not willing to give. See, if you have to get up early, you know, earlier every morning to come to prayer, you have to actually give something up. Something that we like. Right? But again, like our pastor always says, he said it for years, if our boss tells us to come in an hour early, see, we have a return for that. We have something coming our way. We got that extra hour of overtime. Oh, I'm there. Shoot. Oh, got your coffee ready? I'm ready. Why? Because there's something in it for you. See, but the reality is, is that I tell you the best thing, there is a return in coming to the house of prayer. It may not be what you want it to be. It may not be an extra 50 cents on your check after they take out all the taxes and all the things. But you know what? It's a spiritual blessing. And God, because of his grace, when we do come pray, listen, it does bring a return. Listen, guys, how many know if you're if you're a husband, you're in charge of your covering your wife and all your kids. If she's uncovered, it's because you're not in your place. If your kids are uncovered, it's because you're not in your place. You're doing her a displeasure, a disfavor, I guess I could say. By not covering her and praying, contending that God's grace be upon her. That even throughout her day, whatever she may be doing, whether it's working or whether it's messing around with all of our demon-possessed kids. Listen, the devil will lie to her. The devil will torment her mind. He'll get to her. He'll get to her emotions. And if you go home and you realize, you know, she she's in there, you know, you walk in and she's, She's a, 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 just a shell of what she's supposed to be, and she's this person who's always emotional, and she's in there, and she's had it up to that. You know, can I say that a lot of times because a man's not praying for her, she's tormented. And all day the devil lies to her, torment, tells her she's, you know the Satan tell him, I'm going to kill your kids? Satan does all kinds of things. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your husband. There's all kinds of things happening that we don't even see. But you know what? By the grace of God, we pray. That is one of the blessings of prayer is that God says, you know what? I will hear your prayer, and I'm going to cover. Cover your wife. Cover your kids. And so the need, amen, and the importance of prayer is actually giving of ourselves. We do that when we first give God thanks. That's how we need to start every prayer service. God, thank you for who you are, not me yet. We do pray for ourselves, but prayer consists of first giving God thanks and also praying for others. Do you pray for other people? 
So in closing, because there's some people here, perhaps you haven't really dedicated yourself to prayer. Maybe you've been coming a couple of years, or maybe you're a new believer. Whatever the case might be, and it's really difficult for you what to know to pray for. You say, well, I want to pray, but I only find myself praying 10 minutes and I'm done. Real quickly, I just want to run. And if that's you, you need to write these things down. What are some things that we can pray for, guys, just to help those? That way we can have a, a, a longer, fulfilled prayer life. Dave Schmidt. Exactly. Not that we can repeat the word to word, but yeah, the model of it, exactly. Frankie? Amen. Ralph? Okay, so making a list. So what are the thing, some of the things on the list that you have? Like what are the, some topics? And I think to get started, a list is good. Um, even myself, I it's kind of a mental list now. But uh, certain days of the week, I'll pray for certain things. And then at the end, you know, for the first half hour, and then for the next half hour, it's just whatever's on my heart. But uh, that way, I cover a lot of things. So, Brother Bill?
Det kommer en So teens, ministry, co-workers, for a lot of this, family, Caesar quickly. Praise God. And so, uh, hallelujah. The, the aim this morning's discipleship, we need to pray. When people have to label this congregation and this church, we want people to say, that's a praying church. That place is a house of prayer. Amen. And everything else flows from that. We're going to stand. We're, done. We're up on time. Appreciate you. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.